the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh! They did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double water. Hit that one from the parking lot. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. I am your host on this fine Wednesday show, Jim Root, joined, as always on Wednesdays, by the rest of the three-man weave crew, Kai McEwen and Matt Cox. Each week, we are dropping a new Big Bets on Campus episode, talking all things betting in the world of college basketball. Today's episode, you get your standard fare, served up a dish of Live Dogs of the Week, Power Games of the Week, mid-major games of the week, a trash man pick of the week, blowout city, and we close with the spotlight section. Fellas, I put it on the March Madness props that are up out there on a couple different books. Uh, we will, we'll zoom in on those, take a look at them, see if we find any value on one seeds, teams to make the tournament. Subject to change, of course, because we're recording on a Tuesday and this will come out on a Wednesday. Who knows what will happen overnight to change the odds, but we'll give you kind of ranges of what we think on that. That will come at the end of the show. But without further ado, let's get into our first segment, which is the live dog of the week. Uh, where's my dog? Uh-huh, there's my dog. Uh, where's my dog? Uh-huh, there's my dog. Hellas, we were very close to having a great week last week. Looking back at it, Matthew, thank you very much for your big FIU win over Liberty. My Ray. Panthers. They're endangered down here, guys. By the way, so protect the panther. Protect the panthers of Florida <laughs> mantra right now. So I, I adhere to it all the way through. Good, good lad. UTSA, who we were all very interested in, taking on South Florida, very nearly won. Covered, did not quite get there though on the outright money line. And Furman also blew a five point lead in the final minute against Sanford, losing heartbreaking fashion there. Kyle layup right close to the buzzer. Heartbreaking stuff there for those two. And then Monmouth, Charlotte, and Marshall got destroyed. So not as great. Not <laughs> as great reads on those. I believe we all had one of those three disgusting wagers. So apologies for that group. But hey, hopefully we will find some winners in this week's section. Guys, we got a six-pack I, I put together here for Wednesday and Thursday. We'll give a quick overview of them and see what you're most interested in. On Wednesday, at Southern Illinois plus seven at Bradley. The Ole Miss plus seven hosting Alabama. And then I talked about it on last week's pod, guys. The James Madison fade of with Marshall did not work out, but James Madison now heading to Georgia State. Plus eight are the Panthers in that one, Matthew. Hopefully I can get you to ride with the Panthers again. Different You're not Panthers. going to. You're not right, going to. Fine. Sorry. Teaser. Thursday, UCLA plus six at Washington. Northern Colorado plus seven at Weber State. And Stony Brook plus nine at Drexel. Okay, Kai, it's time to go through these and decide if we actually want to wager on any of them. Mm -hmm, Did mm -hmm. any of this batch jump out at you? I'll leave the floor open to you. I'm going with Old Mississippi on Wednesday, Jim, and I'm going with UCLA on Thursday. Yeah, Ole Miss clearly needs this win to uh, make the NCAA tournament if they even want to get close to it. They are on the outside looking in of the bubble per this moment, per bracket matrix. I think they can get it done. Obviously, Alabama is a different team on the road than they are at home. We've seen that countless times this season, even recent examples with their loss at Kentucky where they gave up a whopping 117 points. Ole Miss, obviously Chris Beard, great coach. I think you'll have something in store for that game. So 
do like them on the money line there. And then UCLA, the Bruins trending up. I think they're around 25th in the country since the past month or so per Bart Torvik. Yeah, big coaching edge, Mick Cronin over Mike Hopkins. Washington kind of feels like they're drawing dead at this point. So like UCLA there. Matt, not sure we're going to get plus six, but we'll see where it falls. Like them to win out right there. Mick Cronin with an all-time presser after that USC game. I mean, like he came in and just had every rant teed up on a script and not one reporter got a question. Sounds like the sky is falling in Westwood. Not going to buy it. I'm going to bet bigger on a bounce back. I think UCLA has got a good chance to win that game. Just a a big coaching mismatch there. I love Stony Brook. Jim, great identification here. Wow, interesting. Drexel with that big win at Delaware. They've been a little bit skittish lately after that kind of really torrid run they went through and they made every shot they took. It's a sandwichy spot. They played Monday. They play Saturday at home against Northeastern. He's playing much better. And so this is sort of a weird stuck in the middle type situation. And Stony Brook's been really good, like quietly rock solid. I think they got blown out a couple times by the big bad beast of that league. Charles nothing got him pretty badly, but they've been like competitive and taking care of business against bad teams in that league consistently. Quietly there. I just think they're a good team, undervalued in Kempom somehow. Yeah, they got that rest advantage. Like you said, Traxwell played on Monday, a tough, tough road win at Delaware, and then Sony Brook was off. So a little bit of a, an edge in that sense. Matt, I'm going at you on my on my Georgia State Panthers. You were willing to fade James Madison last week with Marshall. Are you uh, just skittish because of the way that one played out, or is it specifically a Georgia State, not your Panthers kind of thing? Not my Panthers. I think this team stinks. I really do. I know they're better than last year, but I think their start to conference play was a little bit propped up by favorable schedule at the time. I think Marshall's just better. Marshall was winning, I think, at half in most of that game, and then they blew it late and blew the cover late. So it was actually more competitive. I like the angle sticking to the fade GMU on this really tough roadie to close out Sunbelt. I'm just going to wait till a coastal spot two days later, Jimbo. They go I, Wednesday night at Georgia State and then coastal two nights later. Marshall was never competitive James, against James, James Madison. by 26. Yeah, so it was, they, they, were, 12 they got blown out. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking App State. App State. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. App State. It was a Saturday. <laughs> like, this is a week ago. Yeah. We're the midweek guys, not the weekend guys. My fault. Yeah, I'm yeah, all confused. No, you mentioned the start of Georgia State's conference play being a symptom of schedule. This is why I'm betting it. It's a third straight road game for James Madison of four to close the year. They've got to keep pace with Appalachian State. They are in the at-large mix slightly. I would say it's pretty unlikely they get there, but I just think it's a tough spot for him. Georgia State at least doesn't turn the ball over, which is massive against James Madison. Got to be able to take care of the ball. They're going to run out on you the other way. I, I kind of buy it. So Georgia State is part of my actual selections here. The Southern Illinois Bradley one, it is a tough spot for Bradley coming off a war of a rivalry game against Illinois State. They won by three in a 48-45 to 45 cement mixer of a game. And then coming up, Bradley's got the big one at Drake on the weekend. Is there a chance they overlook SIU, who has the nation's leading score or, or one of the top scores in the entire country in Xavier Johnson? Maybe worth a look there. Kai, you didn't sound interested in that one. Uh, no. I'm not going to lock it in, but perhaps the people out there just not not feeling it. Bradley at home, man. I think they're really good. I, I know they're kind of in, in the mix here, but or swooning a bit, like you said, but don't like to fade them at home. Every bit capable of bouncing back and covering this game. Jim, I liked it. I almost took it with you. I'll be honest. I like okay. your, uh, okay. your your angle here. I think Bradley's kind of been eh lately. Just eh. Yeah, just, just, eh. just eh. I think is fair. Not not like tanking or or you know circling the drain, but just not quite as strong as they were at one point when Connor Hickman returned and they just reeled off a bunch of wins and covers in a row. Correct. The last one I mentioned that we didn't get to talk about Northern Colorado plus seven at Weber State. 
Weaver's just not been as strong in league play as I had hoped from them, even lately, not trending all the way back up to where they could have been. Northern Colorado still not really in the mix for the Big Sky title, but they're two games back with two to play. We'll talk about Eastern Washington in the mid-major games of the week. I've just been so impressed with Northern Colorado's offense all year, and Weaver State's so reliant on one guy. I'm going to go with Northern Colorado going into the D, Matt, a very difficult place to play, as we know, at Weaver. But I have a four-pack here, guys. Going with Ole Miss, Georgia State on Wednesday, and then UCLA and Northern Colorado on Thursday. So four for me. Were there any that jumped out at you guys that I did not mention here as part of my sixsome, Kai or Matt, anything you got? I have nothing to add, Jim. I'm sticking with Ole Miss and UCLA as my two for the week. Matt, are you bringing anything like FIU to the table? You, you had a nice winner last week here outside no, I, of the, the normal presentation. There's some interesting, the Conference USA has some interesting games, right? Sam Houston and Louisiana Tech and potentially tough spots. The WAC had some weird ones too. Tarleton going to Utah Tech, who's been playing better. I had that one circled, but not going to fade. My Texans, so nothing. I like your sample, and I'm going Stony and Ole Miss officially, just a twofer. Good. All right, there you have it. That is Live Dog of the Week. Now we move on to Blowout City. Did okay in this section last week. Marquette obliterated DePaul. I think fading DePaul is probably a beneficial strategy pretty much all year and the rest of the year, and you will see them in... You guys have actually done it? I haven't actually done it. I've just told people to, to do it, but I haven't done it myself. It's I've done of, it a little. Just, Maybe not as, as big as I should have. Fading DePaul. Fade DePaul. I should have been bit. betting more on it, Matthew, I think would be right, the, like just, just the do determination it. here. In Gonzaga, yes. a tricky one. The spread at Ken Palm when we recorded was 20 the closing spread was 22 and a half. Gonzaga won by 21. So yeah. I can't even give partial credit because I don't think it was ever 20 in the market. So we apologize. But at this point, when recording over a day in advance, we can only work with what Mr. Pomeroy offers. So mm-hmm. Gonzaga kind of not great. Two candidates here, really three. I added a third late. DePaul, Matt, we're just going to continue fading them. They had to Xavier. Xavier won by 25 at DePaul. Quincy Oliveri had 43. DePaul getting 21 would imagine the market puts it up to 22, 23 here. DePaul just missed their last real chance to win a game hosting Georgetown over the weekend in the ugly game of the year. Do you think they just just missed it? It was just like, that was it. Yeah. I think the season craters beyond what it already is at this point. That's why it feels like, you know, Xavier, not really in the at-large discussion, but style points could matter. I could see them just winning by 40 here. I like the over as a hedge because DePaul has shown some garbage scoring ability, like when teams are up 30. So, yeah, I think I might play this one small, but then add some over on the side in case, you know, Xavier just stops trying when they're up 30 or something. Kai, what about you on that game? That or I can even set you up for the other Wednesday night game. No, I I like Xavier there as well. So 21 for Kim Pum. Like you said, DePaul's lost 11 games in the Big East by over 20 points. This season in 16 games, that's insane. <laughs> so at this point, they're expected to lose by at least 20. Yeah, I think they have no chance. Yeah, Maddie, any first half fade to Paul to you, considering that late garbage time surge stuff or no? I'm 0-2 doing that this big E season. So I, I don't know if it's first half or second half. I feel like they're also just like just to quit altogether in the second half. I've been, I got too cute with that angle. I like what you're putting down. I just, I haven't had any reads on that one. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I just betting against DePaul in many fashions is probably. It'd be nice smart. if Matt Brady would tell us when are you going to fold, early or late? Like, I'd like some transparency in his post game press cut. We have not gotten that from interim, Mr. Brady. All right. The other one, Wednesday night, I circled VMI headed to UNC Greensboro. 
the poor shorthanded Kedets are really young and not loaded with a bunch of scoring talent, especially with Brennan Watkins out right now. He had 21 in the first meeting when VMI actually gave WCU kind of a scare, only lost by six. Kai, now this one is at Greensboro. Watkins likely continuing to be out and not providing the 20 points he had in that one. Does Greenboro roll the Spartans here at home? Yeah, definitely lean their way. Weird that VMI was able to keep that one so close. I know, made no sense. In the first 23 game. for 26 from the free throw line. They got down 20, 25 points. So it wasn't competitive. Maybe UNCG just kind of let off the gas a little bit. Couldn't really finish inside. I, I think they do kind of reverse it here and, and get it done. So would lean towards Greensboro getting the blowout win. Strange thing I yeah, noticed with VMI okay. games is the first 10 minutes have a ton of points. And then, like, they go on a drought until the under four mm. timeout. It's really weird. It's like almost every game. It's like, oh, they have 50 points in the first 10, and then there's only 72 at halftime. What the hell mm. happened? Uh, yeah, so they're playing at a yeah 75 average possession. Last five games, 63, 62, 51, 69, 51 points scored. So you're just not getting a lot of offensive jump from the pace that they're playing at. Yeah. No, no Watkins is like a real problem. He Huge, hits a ton yeah. of shots. He's kind of an adult in the room with a bunch of young guards on the floor. So not having him has just kind of derailed any sort of strong handicap angle with VMI totals. Last one, Matt, Simo at Moorhead State on Thursday night. Simo, we kept waiting them for them to right the ship early in the year. They couldn't get things figured out. They had a lot of turnover from the team that made the NCAA tournament last year. But I think we just are finally resigned to the fact that the offense sucks Moorhead won by 19 at SEMO in the first meeting. Now, of course, Moorhead, a team we wanted to back all through OVC play. They had a three-game losing streak that really didn't make a lot of sense to us. But perhaps they righted the ship, blowing out Western Illinois. SEMO's offense not good. Again, is, is this a potential blowout candidate here, Matt, with Moorhead State laying 20 per Ken Pump? It's weird. They blew out Western Illinois in a fourth game in seven-day spot. Arguably a good spot because you just lost three in a row and you're a really good team. But still, tough schedule spot. Now they get a whole week off to kind of exhale, I guess. So you could be a sleepy spot or just they're awesome and they beat every team by 15 plus in this league and Simo's at the bottom of that barrel. And Brad Korn might be doing the old rope-a-dope conference tournament surge like he did oh. last year. Theory. Yeah, I think Mora kills him. Definitely think yeah. they write the ship here. Simo's really bad. Moorhead class the league. Despite the fact that they're in a tie for first place right now, they had a weird three-game losing streak there. I, I think they're right in the ship. Yeah, I don't think Brad Korn can rope-a-dope this team. It's just not talented enough. No, it's a SEMA level talent group, unlike the team at last year, which has guys now playing at UT Arlington. Just well, Chris Harris was probably a worst team. professionally in Europe, I would imagine. And oh, and that too. Yeah. I don't think anyone on this team is getting professional buckets. Nope. So unfortunately. Sorry, Rob Martin. Uh, yeah. Still definitely think Moorhead State continues that. Going to stick with them and blow out City laying points on Thursday. All right. Next up is the power game of the week. But before we get there, a little check in from. BetMGM. Big Bets on Campus is proudly presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $158 in bonus bets when you bet $5. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right. The power game of the week Fellas, there's a clear number one candidate here. I struggled to find a two and a three worth even talking about. But the big, big matchup of this week is in the SEC. Auburn headed on the road to Tennessee. Take it, Kronk. <laughs> feel the power. Oh, I can feel it. For Ken Palm, a three-point spread for the Vols, essentially telling you these teams are equal. 
big, big one for the title race here, Kai, in the SEC. This is the first and only meeting between these two this year. Boo, schedule makers. Boo, unbalanced schedules. What are your thoughts here on the Vols at home, Thompson Bowling Arena with Bruce Pearl and the boys coming to town? Yeah, give me the Vols, Jim. Kind of like Alabama, but maybe to a more extreme degree. Auburn, not great on the road this season. They are 4-4 four and four against the spread, but still a team that I fear a lot less away from the jungle. And in Tennessee, certainly a team that can beat anybody in the country. They handle the ball. That's very key against Auburn's defense. That tends to force you over. Tennessee, in fact, the best ball handling team in the SEC right now. They have the offense this year to carry them further than they have been with Rick Barnes in the past in the NCAA tournament. And I think they have the juice to win the conference here. So if they win this game, they basically win the SEC, barring any any crazy late season swoons. But I do like the balls here, Matt. Relatively short spread at three. We'll see if it actually is three come market time. It will not be three. If it is, I'll be on the it balls won't be three. heavy, yeah. but it'll it'll be four or five, I gotta think, right? Jalen Williams, we'll see how much his injury means as the games go forth. They took care of business at Georgia last game, but it was kind of competitive late in the second half, despite Georgia missing a ton of shots. They still won by a ton because Georgia is the worst transition defense I've ever seen. But anyway, uh, Tennessee just a different animal, right? At home, how good they've been. I just think you have to trust that that angle. Yeah, like okay, they lost at home to South Carolina, but that's a team with a totally different DNA to Auburn. Uh, South yeah, Carolina actually wanted to, let's not let you run, let's slow it down, keep this in a half-court crawl, invert the floor, pull Jonas Adu away from the rim. I know Broom has shot some threes this year for Auburn, but I don't fully trust him to do that with pulling Adu away from the rim. And the transition factor, if you let this Tennessee team run, they're going to score like crazy on you. Connect is such a weapon in the open floor. Their guards are strong. Ziegler is speed demon. He has really trended up as the season has gone on, as his knee has gotten healthier from that ACL tear last year. I'm fully on board with you guys. Vols, even honestly, even if it is up to five. Five, I yeah, Vols. I think I would too. Although the injury could make it even higher. The Jalen Williams injury that you mentioned, Matt, that is a crucial one. All right, the other two I pulled from the Big East and maybe not like the absolute headliner matchups of the week, but a lot of implications to them. Matthew, we're starting with St. John's and Butler, which I'm kind of calling a loser leaves town elimination bubble game. I mean, I guess it's possible the loser of this game makes the NCAA tournament, but it is getting really, really unlikely considering their quad one and two records and just kind of the schedule they've got remaining on the slate. So Butler, minus one at home, Mr. Thad Mata against Ricky Patino, probably not wearing his white suit again here. I feel like he goes with something different at Hinkle Fieldhouse. Any strong take for you on this game, Mr. Matthias? No, this is a tough one to bet. I don't know how you have any conviction given how black and white both these teams have played this year. Certainly St. John's has made every airwave, but I mean, Butler lost four in a row, five of six, much better home before that run. And, you know, they got killed by Creighton home, but they've been mostly pretty competitive throughout the year. It's just maybe they ran out of gas. I don't know. I slightly into St. John's, but obviously trusting that team with confidence on the road is not a profitable investment strategy this season. Yeah, I'm going Johnny's here, Jim. I, I do I lean John's too. Ah, I hate it. This is a Q1 win for St. John's. They get it against Butler. Obviously huge. Their, their net is getting a lot better. Their quad one, quad two combined record isn't bad for a bubble team, but the Q1 record right now, two and nine for St. John's. They, they really do kind of need this game to get over the hump. I think Butler's basically done with a loss here. Hinkle, great environment, a tough place to play usually when Butler is good, but I think Johnny's... The Johnnies have figured it out that the white suit of Rick Pitino has brought this team 
back to the living. I think Johnny's get there. Matt, no uh, Posh Alexander revenge against Patino oh. angle here. I know oh, it's yeah, uh, the second time they've played, and, and it's not at St. John's. But yeah, there's a little... Did he run him out of town as their extra incentive? I'm going to be honest. I like that for St. John's. If Posh Alexander's trying to do too even much, harder, yes. then yeah, he's he's going to start messing up. He's been a net negative by all on-off measurements there. And if he's pressing a little bit, just trying to make things happen, turnovers happen, bad shots happen. Kyle, you've noted how he's one of the worst like rim finishers, it feels like, watching him play. That's an issue. St. John's biggest issue, as Patino reamed about, is their lateral quickness. Defending guys off the bounce, not really how Butler beats you. I'm not too scared mm-hmm. of Pierre Brooks off the bounce. DJ Davis, solid, but more of a shooter. And Posh, again, I'm okay with him trying to finish oversize inside. So I, I think it's an okay matchup for St. John's in the same way that Creighton has been an okay matchup for them where it's not guards that really beat you off the bounce and get into the teeth of the defense. So Johnny's for me as well. Clean sweep for the boys there. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, Marquette has guards that get into your defense and make plays, specifically Tyler Kolick. And the Golden Eagles are hosting Providence on Wednesday night, minus nine per Ken Palm, so a bigger spread than we typically get to in these power games of the week. But man, Kai, I, Providence, we've called him a cockroach all season long. His team is a terrific underdog. They already beat this Marquette team by 15 at the AMP. Of course, Bryce Hopkins mm-hmm. played in that game. Stevie Mitchell did not. So a little bit of a personnel flip that favors the Golden Eagles here. But man, do you really want to bet on anybody to blow out Providence at this stage? No, I, I do not, Jim. I've done that before and hasn't worked out. I would be shocked if Providence wins this game. Would not be shocked in keeping it close. And by keeping it close, I mean they'll come back in the last five minutes or so. This team has gotten down in the second half pretty big in several Big East games. And they've just fought back, and that's Devin Carter. He is incredible. If this team was a top three team, he might be the Big East player of the year. He's been that good. There's push for him to do it even over Kolek and Newton, yeah. which is stunning to me. Yeah, There's no more valuable player to their team this season than Devin Carter in the Big East, in my opinion. They would be nothing without him. He's a game breaker. They are a cockroach. They really are a scrappy team. You know, credit to Kim. They do scrap and they wow, work and they have a chip on their that? shoulder. That's the only that? Kim English praise I'll give on this podcast. Yeah, I lean towards Providence there at, at nine is what Kim Palm has it at right now. Yeah, you have to. You get a week off. Marquette played Sunday, too, so kind of a quick turnaround there. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. Providence as a dog. Feels like it's the a continuation of, of the Ed Cooley as a dog angle, just with a, a new coach in his stead. Yeah, and I'm, I'm with Kai. I would go full game here, too. Like, there's a chance Marquette's up 12 at halftime, and they look good, but Providence does not go away, no matter what they're down. Uh, they find ways in those final seven minutes. Carter hits big shots. Uh, they're scrappy on the glass. They defend. It's a team that really defends. And I think they get tough as nails late in game. So I, I'm with these guys again. Providence, super, super feisty team down the stretch of games. All right, mid-major game of the week, guys. We're going to go just with two on Thursday here. Big ones in the Summit slash Big Sky, the elevation conferences, if you will. Montana at Eastern Washington, the top two in the Big Sky Kai Eastern Washington can clinch the Big Sky title with this one. They are at home in Cheney. I'm going to just go to you first because I know Matt is willing to wax poetic about his boy, David Riley. Kai, do you think Eastern Washington runs away and hides in this game? I think they win it. Yep. I think they cover minus five. The class of the league this year and their offense is just awesome. Their defense is actually tops in the Big Sky too, which is a little more surprising, but that one three zone they can roll out has certainly stymied opponents. Montana, a team that really relies on the three ball this season. In fact, they score 
the highest percentage of their points from three in the conference. That's kind of tough to do against Ewash's defense. They do allow a high rate, but they're very good at contesting. And that goes for both in the perimeter and inside in the arc. So been impressed by their defense. We know their offense rocks. They're the best shooting team in the conference or just about when you take into the totality of the floor. I like Ewash here. They did win game one as well, Matt, in Montana. Yeah, I love Ewash. I just don't really like I like Montana a lot on paper. I just watch them. I don't quite get the same warm and fuzzies. I mean, they were completely out of sorts against Portland State's pressure. Probably should have blown that game. Like just looked at like they had no idea what they were doing. I know Ewash won't really pressure you like Portland State can. I just think they're just the better team, more complete team, the smarter team. And Ewash has only two losses recently. Weber and NAU just made big time shots. And there's a pretty big shot quality discrepancy in both those games. I just think Ewash is all the way legit. So I'm going to trust them here at home, even though they lost there. They got that first one, maybe revenge angle for Montana, but I'm not buying. I think Ewash is a better team. They should be laying a touchdown. It's a little like the Moorhead State thing we were talking about, where like the team that was dominant on both ends of the floor, best team in the league, suddenly had this weird kind of lull. And Weber State, okay, they lost to the best player in the league, Dylan Jones. Northern Arizona, tough travel from Eastern Washington kind of an odd gym there down at NAU, but they got right at Northern Colorado, an offense we have already praised on this podcast. So back home, Eastern Washington against a team that's reliant on jump shooting like Montana is. Yep, I am making it three for three on the Eagles at home against Montana. The other one's a little dicier, guys. The Summit, I do not have a clue what direction I'm going with in this game. South Dakota State minus one at North Dakota Two top teams in the league again, Matt. South Dakota State, a game up, but they have got a very difficult final schedule here at North Dakota and at North Dakota State. So the Hawks very much still alive for the Summit Championship. Do you think they get the win here at home to bump themselves up right into a tie for the league lead? I'm taking the fighting Hawks. I do. I think the Nodaks get this one. I saw this was reported as probably the biggest game in North Dakota's like history. They haven't been in D1 all that long. I know they moved up, I think, around 2010 or something. I mean, it's been 14, 15 years, but still a relatively new D1 team. And they're finally like good and in the hunt for a summit title. And you have the big brother of the league coming to town, who, by the way, is beatable this year, like for the first time in a while. I, I know the, the Jack Bunnies have that A++ here, but they're still super erratic. And what I've watched them play, they take some dumb shots and their defense is a little dicey, even though it should be awesome. I like the Nodaks, man. I think they can, uh, they're sneaky physical. I think it was a soft team we thought coming into the year, but their big guy is a beast on the boards. Uh, Kolchik? Kolchik? I can't say his name. He's from, um, he's he's a from freshman, uh, yeah. Iowa. Yeah, he's a, a Juco guy. Juco he's a guy. Juco guy. Sorry. Absolute dominant on the glass in that league. So I, I like the Nodex. Yeah, I like the Bunnies. Yeah, they, they won game one by 19. I don't think North Dakota is as good as their record says in the Summit League. I mean, Ken Palm hasn't like middle of the pack. They've been a lot better this year and they definitely have their continuity is what has really been good for them. And that includes bringing back Ian Nacho, a guy who won the the Summit player uh, freshman of the year before transferring out of the program, came back this season. Credit to them. They've definitely exceeded the expectations. I still think South Dakota State is the class of the league. You know, North Dakota, Matt mentioned, they do dominate the glass. South Dakota State, though, about the hardest team to dominate the glass against in the conference. They have a lot of size up front. They're a good rebounding team. So I, I like the bunnies here, Jim, to finish off the conference. Fantastic. I will be the fence rider as one of you each takes one side. Kai, that's an interesting nice. note on North Dakota. They are second in the league, nine and five, but they have the fifth best offense and fifth best defense in a nine team league. Yeah, doesn't make that's, a lot of sense. <laughs> they're incredibly middling. Yeah, when they lose, they've lost big and a lot of tight wins. I sort of like the spot with them at home, and I'm kind of with Matt where I don't fully trust South Dakota State, but the matchup notes 
matter quite a bit. The battling on the glass, I think South Dakota State can negate the edge there. Uh, and it just have a hard time trusting either team. So I will sit that one out. I cannot wait for whatever team comes out of this mess of a league this season to play Purdue or UConn or Houston or Arizona first round. That's my they summit betting so angle. Many points. That's all I care about. Like, just forget the conference tournament. Like, let them all beat each other up. And then when they play an actual team with actual physicality, it's going to be ugly. Yeah, you go through the the track record of even the top teams and the the non-con and their record against like actual good teams like North Dakota State losing by 29 to Creighton, North Dakota losing by 30 plus to Iowa, et cetera. Like, Bunny's had a couple of, efforts. But against true power conference competition? They almost beat UCF, almost beat Akron, Kent State. Yeah, not great, but they've had a little bit more fight. The Bunnies can rise a little bit. That's fair. I, you're right. I should probably give Henderson Hendo some credit for his ability to, you know, rip it still, man. I don't know. Get a bad take. This, this version doesn't excite me. Yeah, they haven't played a top 50 team all season. Sure. So I haven't quite seen that. So I'm kind of with you, Matt. The Summit and uh, honestly probably the big sky winner too i'll be fading. yeah Sorry, big sky Ewash, Ewash, i trust a little more but against... they did struggle they did they did against a gauntlet of a schedule all right let's go to trash man pick of the week the trash man pick of the week i'm the trash man just throw me in the trash you're garbage and you know it totally unreliable is that it? undependable that it? that's it you've been told off how do you like that good guys i'm surprised we haven't seen a lot of ovc in this section we've kind of been bullying the, the patriot throwing them around and shoving them in a locker, but the OVC has been a little bit of a down league as well. I'm going with Lindenwood at Southern Indiana. We are in the final week of the season, Kai, and neither of these teams is eligible for the NCAA tournament. Lindenwood is already eliminated from the OVC tournament, so like they are really almost done here. Two games left. Southern Indiana, Stan Gerard told me in the offseason about some of his guys thinking about their next step. Before the season mm-hmm. ended last year, I don't know if there's risk of that happening this year. This is just a really tough spot to handicap with both teams kind of lacking things to play for. Yeah, boy, Lindenwood's bad. Worst offense and defense in the OVC is really hard to do. I really think they have a good player in Keenan Cole, but I guess that's about it. And honestly, you look at the guys in their roster, they have a couple of names that were in higher conferences like Darius Bean, Keith they Heyman. They should be better. I agree. These guys play coached. I really do. I don't I, they might be poorly coached. I don't think Southern Indiana is, though. I think Southern Indiana has got a good coach in, in Gerard. Obviously, they lack talent, and that's why they've been struggling this year. 10 points is a lot to lay for Southern Indiana. Have they been a double-digit favorite all season? I'm not sure. I'm not saying they can't cover that, but that's that's pretty insane. I know they won the first game by nine on the road, excuse me, 11 on the road. I would lean towards the dog there, just from a pure number perspective. This feels stay away from me, but... Yeah, I'm with Kai. It just feels too little too high, but uh, man, Lindenwood, I just feel like they could be feisty in that league. Like, that's not a good league. It's a league that a team that's well-coached and semi-talented can at least compete in, and they've been not competitive. So kind of a bummer for our Lions of West St. Louis, can we call it? The suburbs of St. Louis? Yeah, St. Yeah, Charles. Charles. Fine. On St. Charles. It's tough, man. If you are dead last in the country in assist rate with the team that lacks one-on-one scores, I don't know how that works. Like You should be <laughs> moving the ball more if you don't have guys that are terrific off the bounce, and Lindenwood mostly lacks that. So yeah, they, they've been brutal this year. Two more games, like I said, this is the second last one of their entire season. I'm staying away. I got to sit that one out. All right. I do have some stronger takes, guys, on the spotlight section. Let's get to that. March Madness props. Kai, we'll start with the one seed betting odds. Purdue and UConn basically locks. Like, you have to lay $20,000 to win 100 for, for Purdue to, uh, <laughs> to make any money. They're, they're going to be a one seed. UConn's going to be a one seed. Houston, almost certainly going to be a one seed as well. They're minus 3,500. 
But the fourth one is interesting. Arizona minus 150, Tennessee plus 170. We just talked about them maybe getting another big win against Auburn coming up here. UNC down at 9-1 to one if they win out through the ACC, potentially could slide in there, get another win at Duke. Marquette, Alabama, Duke, Kansas, not sure they can get there and pass any of those three. But Kai, where do you land on this, given the odds we're seeing right now with Arizona as the favorite to be the fourth one seed? I gobbled up some Arizona yesterday, minus 140. Hashtag sharp. It's going to be hard for Arizona to lose the one seed. Not only do they fill an easy role in the West region, which is not supposed to matter, but it kind of fits just an easy peg, right, for for filling out the bracket purposes for the committee. It's also going to be unlikely that they lose the rest of the regular season. They have the the schedule numbers. They have the predictives. They're very, very high up in both metrics. And again, they, they should win out despite playing the, their three of the last four games on the road. So I think there's a very high chance, better than what is in the market, that they get a one seed. Honestly, though, if you want a value play, UNC at 9-1 to one for a one seed is... I think fantastic value. That team is probably fifth right now in the S curve. If you look at Q1, Q2 rankings, you could say Tennessee. I think it's UNC. And I even see some people having them as a one seed. Nine to one is good value if you're really looking for that. But I think it's Arizona. Yeah, Arizona I was looking and UNC at the... each with seven Q1 wins. Tennessee only with five. They've also yep. got to go to Alabama. Very losable game. Whereas you know, UNC and Arizona likely have a little more favorable schedules. Or, or I guess, yeah, I mean, with the... Duke game in there for UNC is tough. I think it's really hard for Tennessee to pass Arizona. They trail by two wins in the Q1 section. They have no bad losses. Like Arizona would have to lose again, basically. I like Marquette as a value play. I feel like they could get hot run through the Big East tournament. But oh, uh, okay. Like we've seen though several times, not to turn this into a bracketology show, conference tournaments don't matter quite as much as matter, people yeah, think yeah. in terms of bracketing. Yes. Yep. Yeah, they just don't want to have to move things around. So mm-hmm. uh, if you're kind of set in a spot before then, typically that's what the committee is going to leave you. All right, that's the one seed discussion. We've got some odds to make the tournament here where I think there might be some opportunity. We've got Butler, Colorado, Providence, St. John's, Villanova, and Virginia listed here. Obviously a very Big East heavy flavor to this. Four of the six teams listed are Big East squads. We'll start with Butler. Matthias, they are yes to make the tournament, plus 410. That is a, a major underdog to get to the dance at this point. We discussed how they might be eliminated if they lose at home to St. John's. No, minus 700. Bart Torvik's tourney cast has them at 17.9%. I'm not going to tell you to bet minus 700, Matthias, but I don't think they're going to make the dance. I would avoid, like, Big East long shots. I guess that's probably... I just think UConn's so good. Like, I think you at least want to... You feel good about a chance that a team can win from like a four or a seven seed line and win your tournament as a backup contingency plan, right? Like, I just don't think you have any chance in the Big East if you're not named UConn or maybe Marquette, honestly. I don't know. Maybe I'm reaching for an angle there, but I feel better about like an ACC long shot, right? Or uh, an SEC long shot, right? Leagues that are a little more wide open, I think. Yeah, and again, this is to make the tournament, not to get in at large. So winning the right. conference tournament, however is unlikely, an, is an avenue. Would, exactly. would be a winner for this. And then, Kai, yeah, a big part of these is remaining schedule and Butler's got no real great chances. Like St. John's at home, Xavier at home, and at DePaul. Like you're mm-hmm. not moving the needle with those. So they're kind of where they are right now. It, it's very, very tough to envision Butler getting there. Agreed. Yeah, I would not take the yes prop there. Yep. And and unfortunately, you can't parlay these together. You could, no. you know, put Butler's no in there with something else. That would be that'd be fun, but unfortunately, not an option. Colorado, their next team. The yes to make the tournament is plus 140, so a slight underdog. No, minus 188. Again, these have some pretty large vig to them, but 
it's kind of an information based. You can beat the market here. It's not a you know head to head game matchup. So I think there still can be value if you do your research. Tourney Cast has them at a forty five point two percent chance to make the tournament. Kai, does that mean there's some narrow edge on the plus money price to make the dance? Yeah, for Colorado, they're right on the edge. The problem with them is they lack key one wins. They only have one. Be really hard to make the tournament if that stays like that. Decent amount of Q2 wins kind of props them up, but they're not to get nerdy again, but their resume metrics are right on the cut line, the average resume metric. So it's going to be tough. I think that's kind of priced fairly, to be honest. I'd probably stay away from Colorado for now. Yep, they've got to win some tough-ish games. Stanford at home, no real gimme at Oregon State's been tough, and then you have to win at Oregon. You need to add that Q1 win to their resume, as Kai mentioned, a little bit of a dearth of those there. Matt, do you think Colorado can do that? Can they go to Eugene and win in the woods? Yeah, I do, because I don't, Oregon's weird. And unfortunately, that win will be a harder win than I think it'll be assessed in the, the resume metrics. That's what's tough there. But the selection committee does have Oregon State's AD and Santa Clara's AD and a big sky. And I was looking for some West Coast bias, maybe, if you're looking to take one of these Pac-12 mm-hmm. long shots. See, so you do have some Pac-12. Although Oregon State now is having to go to bat for other Pac-12 schools. I think if anything, they're going to sure. probably shove them in a locker and kick them to the curb. Yeah, I mean, there's a world right now where the Pac-12 gets two teams. It's Arizona, it's Washington State, and that's it. Utah has Good faded. Race. Colorado's kind of faded, hasn't done much down the stretch. UCLA, not quite back in the conversation. Yeah, it's realistic unless Colorado, Oregon are able to make a name for themselves down the stretch here. All right, Providence. Guys, this is one of my, if we had to call best bets from this section, I think they're making the dance. They are minus 144 to make the dance. 51% per tourney cast to make them. But Kai, the resume is just clean, man. There's no bad losses. Mm-hmm. They're 500 against Q1 and Q2. A couple of really big wins. I think the Friars are going to end up dancing, man. So I, minus 130, I don't hate it. Five Q1 wins is elite when you're talking bubble territory. So I would agree. I think it's really hard to keep them out, especially with the fact that they've proven they can win without Bryce Hopkins. I think that's... That would be something normally that would matter if he was out and they kind of tanked after that. The only issue is you look at the remaining games. You're at Marquette. You're against UConn. That's two losses, most likely, almost certainly. Then you have your home against Villanova. That's a coin flip. So if you go one and three down the stretch here, you're at 19 and 12. That's right on that ugly record line that the committee has kind of danced around for for years I do think 5Q on wins gets in there, though. I, I would lean towards the yes on that bet, especially minus 130, obviously, shop around. How would they be a lock if they get either the Marquette or the UConn game? Yes, a lock. Yeah. So that's that's a pretty big needle mover opportunities yes. there. And of course, got to get the, the Nova and the Georgetown ones to differentiate themselves. Matthew, where do you land on the Friars? Yes, no? Yeah, I think that's probably a good bet. I think they, I mean, I think they get one of... Tough to say. They're both on the road. Mark out on the road just makes it so tough. But the, yeah, the Georgetown game too. I mean, I think they're going to beat Georgetown, but like it, Providence, as good as, as feisty as they are, it's not a team that's going to beat a bad team with conviction. I just don't think they've. So you got to avoid a landmine there. I, I still think it's a pretty good bet though. And again, Big East tournament, you'll get a, a, probably an opportunity to get one or two more quality wins there. Two more Big East teams. St. John's next. And this one has the biggest difference between Price and Bart's tourney cast projection, where they're plus 134 to make the dance. For the odds, but Bart Torvik's site has them at 64% to make the tournament. Kai, that number surprises me. I feel like they shouldn't be 64% to make the dance given no. the resume they've got out there right now. Maybe if you want to play the numbers, the yes is a good bet, but I'm still hesitant. 
Art Torvik doing the Rick Pitino. I would uh, like to bias premium in his model. That's my. Uh, that's my. I would like to know how, how accurate Bart Torvik's model is. Like, I don't think that's what you should really say is the end all be all. I think Bracken Matrix is much more accurate. Right now, St. John's is way on the outside of that currently. They do have two Q1A wins, and they have six Q2s, and that's good. They had a Q3 loss, not that bad of an eyesore. The problem is their resume metrics. The average is right around 65. That's well out of the at-large consideration, and they are 16 and 12. They have a lot of work to do. I still wouldn't be comfortable taking 134 quite yet. Yeah, they've got to beat Butler because their last two games are at DePaul yeah, they versus lose. Georgetown. Those don't move the needle at yes. all. Mm-hmm. So they're very close to having a final profile right now, and it's debatable if it's good enough or not. I guess um, the theme is a ton of Big East movers and shakers in this section, yep, Jim. So yep, like, you probably, probably can you know hop on one of these at the right time before markets adjust. I'll usually take these down, I think, and put them back up with a little bit of time to spare, but not always. Matt, you kind of hinted at it, but Kai, we know they like to take a good brand name and shove them in the first four. Yeah, first four, you can't be a pretty obvious one. God, yeah. that's just yeah. too obvious. That is, that is maybe something you'd have on your side if you take the plus price uh, on. And New Mexico is playing St. John's. Is there a is there a matchup first four I can bet on that one? <laughs> yeah, the the Lobos versus, versus would they be allowed to? Because they have played this year. I don't know if there's a rule with that. Oh, well, they did play this year. That's right. New Mexico and St. Played? John's played this year. My no, they last year that was when I last year. Sorry, yeah, last year. My bad. All right, the last Big East team, Villanova, essentially a coin flip here. Minus 112 to make it, minus 118 to miss it. Tourney cast has them at 53%. Matt, I sort of think Villanova gets there because of the big wins, but I don't think there's a lot of edge on betting it based on remaining schedule and who they are and how erratic they can be. Yeah, I'm kind of sick of them. It's just a uh, three of their final four games at Providence, at Seton Hall, and then at home against Creighton, Ken Palm has a one-point margin. So it's like they are walking the tightrope. Yeah. Um, Full coin but flip they are, team. <laughs> yeah. I mean, straight up coin flip team. And I don't know, is there a brand name premium with Villanova? I don't really think so. Not anymore, at least. So I think that's properly priced from the four looking kind of bracket matrix. I'm not sure how they look on paper right now, but um, they're, uh, I think, just now yeah, they're like riding the bubble. But again, resume metrics is 61. It's on the outside of the at large. And that, that uh, record is an eyesore. If they go two and two down the stretch, 17 and 14. That's not a great mark for the committee. Yeah, they'd bad. have they'd have to win at least one game in the Big East tournament. So now you're getting a lot of ifs. You mentioned it, three one point spreads, and then you have to win a game in the Big East tournament. That's too much of a of a chance. They took one too many weird losses in non con like Penn, St. Joe, or Drexel. You needed to have won one of those games. Yes. I guess you look at it the other way. They have three opportunities for Q1 wins in the last four games. So if they get two yep. Q1 wins, right. that changes everything. And the final team here. This will, again, be a little bit of a differentiation between Bracket Matrix and Bartorix Tourneycast, I think. Virginia, they are a favorite to make the dance right now, minus 136. The no is a plus price, at plus 102. Bart's got him at a 50% coin flip chance to make it. Kai, I like the no. I like the, the plus price on the no because they've got to go to Boston College on Wednesday night. Again, we're recording this Tuesday. You'll hear this probably on Wednesday. And they have not been a good road team so far this year. And then they got to go to Duke. I do not envision them beating this Duke team, even if Flip is still a little banged up from his crowd storm run in. And then the Georgia Tech game at home doesn't doesn't move the needle. They don't have a good home chance left on the schedule. And so are the, the resume metrics, which are solid now, going to age well enough? I don't know. That's the question. Yeah, I kind of lean that they're in. I already have 20 wins. You said the resume metrics, they're really solid. They're 36 average right now. And they have... 
three Q1 wins, three Q2 wins. It's going to be dicey, but I wouldn't feel comfortable taking the no price right now. I got a sneaky feeling they are in that Duke game next week. Okay, that's going to be a way too close for comfort game for Duke fans. And I remember a bad Virginia team two years ago. That was the NIT team, I believe, went into Duke and stunned Duke in pretty like, whoa, fashion. So I don't know. I could see Tony Bennett pulling a little rabbit out of his, you know what? Yeah. I mean, they're grinders. Slow down the game, make it a half court uggo fest, and they've got a chance. But there also is the kind of perception of they've lost games by like 30, 25, 35, 25 on the road just been blown out and been completely outclassed on the road a few times. I could see that working against them. Just some of the, if a committee member wants to cite an eye test factor, I think Virginia would fail that. Quite yeah. 65th in Kempom versus Wake at 19, like another team that's going to probably be on that <laughs> bubble. You know what I mean? Not that Kempom is going to be the deciding factor for any dinosaur on that group, but still, I know it's becoming more and more important. That doesn't look very good. Yep. Yep. Agreed. And yeah, again, just bad road team going to Boston College and Duke is scary for me. If they drop that Boston College, you could end up getting a much better price on the yes. Right, so perhaps right. it's worth waiting if you do think they're going to make it. All right, fellas, that wraps it up for us this week here on our Wednesday edition of Big Bets on Campus. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We should have one more of these next week in the final regular season week of the year. Then we'll have all kinds of conference tournament previews. We'll be crossing over with, with Stucky and, and Mike Calabrese and all the guys from the typical feed here. Excited for that. The best time of the year is on the horizon. So once again, thanks to BetMGM. Thanks to you, the listeners. And we'll see you next week. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.